Welcome to Donuts with Dudes, episode 25. It's October 23rd, baby. Dudes, Anthony and I got another great lineup for you dudes this week. And for our first topic, dudes, are you tired of paying 6% when selling your home? Well, the DOJ agrees with you too, because they are opening an investigation into potential antitrust practices by the National Association of Realtors. No realtors were injured in the making of this story. (laughs) And for our second topic this week, Caleb Williams is saying he's taken no less than a Lionel Messi deal. Hell no. Hell on. And for our final topic this week, our friend Mr. Bigfoot finally made a long-awaited appearance in the mountains in Colorado. Your feet's too big. Don't want you cause your feet's too big. Can't you use you cause your feet's too big. I love you cause your feet's too big. Stick around for the second half of our show as Cameron and I sat down with Michael Anthony, author, speaker, mindset, and emotion expert. Yeah, you're going to want to stick around for that conversation. It's powerful and informative. But before we throw this batch in the oven, Anthony, hit him with that great intro track, my dude. Let's get it. Welcome to Donuts with Dudes, where we dive into the things that matter most to men, like sports, business, and mental conditioning. But we don't stop there. We also incorporate health topics, because being a well-rounded dude means taking care of yourself. We're your hosts, Anthony and Cameron, and we're excited to bring you this show, where we discuss hot topics and interview experts in their field, real dudes just like you. So sit back, grab a donut and maybe some coffee, and join us in the bakery. Dudes, for our first topic this week, guys, have you ever gone through the process of buying and selling a home? Man, I tell you what, it's one of those things in life that you definitely don't want to have to do all the time unless you were in the profession itself, right? Having done it twice in my entire life, it is not a process that is fun until you finally get the house. But as of last week, the whole entire system that surrounds real estate when it comes to real estate agents and how we go about purchasing and using brokers is facing an unprecedented antitrust scrutiny from the Justice Department with two private class action lawsuits. And what this is poising is to try to weaken the National Association of Realtors, also known as the NAR. Get this, the NAR is one of the largest or the largest lobbying group in America. And the NAR, they're just what it sounds like, National Association of Realtors. It's it's an association where realtors can go and be a part of, but what comes along with that is following a certain guideline, a certain set of rules. And everybody knows if you've bought a house, everybody knows about the 6% rule. If you're selling your house, you know 3% is going to go to your realtor and 3% is going to go to the purchaser, uh, their realtor. And so, and that's, it's always been a big chunk of change, man, but you're kind of stiffed armed with that almost in this day and age. There's no other way of going about selling your own, really. Right. And just a way to visualize this guys is if you sold your house for, let's just say around 
400000 you'd be paying about 20000 in commissions or so. So, you know, that's splitting between both realtors here on the buying and selling side. So, you know, that's that's a chunk of change right there, man. Twenty grand. Yeah, it, it really is. The issue here is violating the antitrust laws. And so if you guys don't know what that is, it's antitrust laws, the regulations that encourage competition by limiting the market power of a particular firm. So, you know, sometimes you have large organizations that just come in, they can buy all the small competition. So there's no competition within that space. Monopolies are illegal in this country, right? Even though they still somewhat happen. What these antitrust laws are calling this, the Realtor Association is essentially a cartel because there's really only two ways that you can do this. You either go through a broker or you do a for sale by owner. And no matter where you go, unless you sell it by yourself, which is a process in and of itself, and Anthony can tell you about that here in a little bit, but unless you go through those brokers, you don't really have access to a lot of the market demand that's out there, the people that are in the market to buy new homes because other realtors that are on the buy side don't want to do business with someone that's not really going to give up any commissions. The DOJ is worried about is that there is too many barriers for entry when it comes to this space. Yeah, Cam, as you mentioned, um, selling your house on your own by owners is definitely some work. So, you know, it's not for everybody, right? And I think if you don't have the time or, you know, you're in a bind or whatever your situation may be, it your best option might be to hire a realtor to help you move your home. Now, from my experience on our first home, I didn't use one. Uh, I did for sale by owner. And because we were in no rush, you know, we had bought, we had bought our lot. We really weren't ready to build on it yet, but we were ready to start making some changes. So I just said, Hey, I'm going to take some pictures, stage the house, open a Zillow account and upload everything and just kind of put it out there, put a for sale by owner sign in my yard. And I'll be dang, man, uh, I got a lot of traffic and a lot of bites from just doing that. A lot of buyers were actually trying to be cash buyers or think that I, I was in a bind and that I needed to sell at a significantly lower price and what I had it listed for. And I didn't. But as the offer started becoming more serious, I just made sure that they had a pre-qualified letter from their lender saying that they could afford the home. So that way I'm not just like bringing people in that are just window shopping or, you know, having random folks in my house. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So it was interesting and it took about six months to sell on our own. But if you like doing things yourself, you know, that might be your route. But if you really don't want to deal with that, then, you know, go get you a realtor. Right. I mean, it's, it's hard having access to, you know, and you, you can still put your house on Zillow and people can, can still uh, find your house. I mean, obviously they found you, but I think that the issue is, I think you ran into this too as well, is as you were selling and people were interested and they were working with a realtor, those realtors were telling their customers that that's, that house is already under contract, right? Because they're, they knew the, the situation going into it, right? Right. The guy that I ended up selling my house to had told me that he was very interested in my house for three months and that the realtor kept telling him, no, that house is under contract. And they got him into a contract with another house and ended up finding some structural damage on the slab. So then he just, you know, reached out to me directly and said, hey, is your house under contract? And I'm like, no, it's not. So then he came in and you know what? We, uh, he came down and took a tour of the house. Actually, he had a, a survey done. I had still had the original survey on my house and uh, they showed that there had been no change in structure. So 
he was ready to move forward and, you know, offered me cash. And I gave him a little discount for being a good buyer, you know, and uh, saving on that 6%. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Just for a point of reference for you dudes, United States is not the highest in the world when it comes to the average commission on a sale, but we're definitely not the lowest. I mean, you look at countries like South Africa, places like that, they've, they have an average of 7.5%, but we are on the high end. I mean, you look at other developed nations, Australia, Mexico, they're right below us in the 5% range. And you go and look at Asian nations and European nations, those numbers are super low, it, it, below the 2%. I mean, China averages about 1.75%. You go to Hong Kong, Hong Kong is 0.75%. So, you know, I, I think that there could be some changes in this space. And the whole point of this is to open up an investigation to see if there is any malfeasance going on here where you're strong arming the consumer into very high prices or not. I think it's just taking a look at other countries and maybe taking a look at what we're doing here too as well. But I will say this, the CEO for Redfin, and if you do don't know who Redfin is, they're basically another Zillow. They're very, very, very big platform too as well, just like Zillow.com. He came out and said that what the DOJ is proposing the repercussions of this could potentially eliminate half of the real estate agent jobs here in America. It would be devastating. You know, obviously there have been people that have started a career and they based their life and budgeted on, I'm going to make a handful of sales every year and I'm going to make that 3% commission on this sale. And possibly the other 3%, when you help someone sell their house, they go and buy the house, right? You typically do that. And so this could definitely be detrimental to a very important part of the American economy. You know, it really hurts them just because they're in a commission-based industry to where you got it. every percent counts and you're going for those highest ticket items. And for the most part, that's the biggest purchase you're going to make in your whole life, you know? Yeah. So these guys are actually helping you and, you know, they have a livelihood that they need to maintain. And Yeah, man, it's, I don't know the right answer here, but I hope that we, we find what the right answer is if, if we don't already have it. But dudes, we'd love to have your interaction in this conversation. Anthony and I are not realtors, we're consumers. So we can only pose our point of view from a consumer basis. Obviously, Anthony is the uh, Mr. Do-It-All over Hi. here <laughs> in selling his house, but <laughs> we'd love for you guys to join the conversation. Uh, you can find a link in our show notes that'll take you to our website where you can drop any comment that you want. Or you can email us, info at donutswithdudes.com. And dudes, for our second topic this week, everybody is up to date on NIL. Obviously, we are in a new landscape when it comes to football these days, more specifically in college football. But Everybody has started to get out of hand when it comes to salary packages. Obviously, the numbers have been super duper high. I mean, you got people like Patrick Mahomes making almost $50 million a year. But one of the stories that we want to talk about today is, in my opinion, 
maybe one of the most absurd requests that could be coming to the forefront on the draft this upcoming year. As you guys may know, Caleb Williams is a quarterback for USC. Good quarterback. He's the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I'll give it to him. The guy is a good quarterback. He transferred from OU. I don't know if you guys know about the whole debacle there with Lincoln Riley leaving OU, going to USC. He brought Caleb Williams with him. Well, Caleb Williams, we kind of already know, will probably be declaring for the NFL draft in 2024. Well, his agent has come out and said that they will take no less than an offer of an ownership stake in a team. What? <laughs> what kind of shit is that? <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> what kind of shit is that? Thank you, Smokey. Oh, man. You know, I see where they're going with this. With the, the college football landscape changing, you know, you got NILs, you got these guys making a lot of money. They, they make probably more than rookie contracts and that sort of thing. But now I feel like they're following the David Beckham messy trend here where, they, you know, we'll come over there and play for a little bit, but we want to have some ownership. We want to have this, that, and the other. But what happens if they flop? What happens if they um, don't do what they're going to do? Or, you know, nowadays you get traded – I mean, look at Trey Lance, right? He was a first-round draft pick. Didn't get much playing time. Got injured. Nice playing third string on the Cowboys. You know, what do you do with that? So, yeah, you know, for, for Caleb Williams to ask for some ownership, I applaud him for that, man. That takes some nuts. Go ahead and ask for it. Hey, anchor high in the negotiation, man. <laughs> All they could say is no, right? Right. So, I mean, good for him. I just don't see it happen, and a, and a lot of the NFL world doesn't see that happening either. Yeah, you know, this is a guy coming from fifth overall in NIL deals. He's got a value of uh, around $2.6 million a year in NIL valuations. So, I mean, he's maybe he's a little bit spoiled. I mean, the guy thinks um, highly of himself, in which he should. He's a good athlete. But, you know, like you mentioned, man, there's a, a new precedent that has been set in MLS with this ownership deal. I can see in the Major League Soccer, the necessity for giving up a stake of in your company because soccer is soccer in right. America, you know, and you really want to try to bring some excitement to American soccer. You need something like that. Football does not, I mean, I don't know of any NFL team. Well, I take that back. There probably are a few NFL teams that I can think of that are probably super desperate to have a awesome quarterback franchise quarterback come and change the world. But I don't know of any owner that is maybe silly enough to even give up a 1% stake in their billion-dollar franchise, man. I mean, that's a – and like you mentioned, that's a big risk. It's a huge risk. So looking up right now, I got, I've got the analyst.com on, and they're talking about uh, the largest NFL contract. So first you got Patrick Mahomes, 10 years, $450 million. He signed that at the age of 24, so you know his average salary would be 45 million. Then you got Joe Burrow with five years, 275. He signed that at 26. Justin Herbert, five years, 262 and a half million. He signed that at 25. So you can see the trend here. They're right around their prime, right? So you got Lamar Jackson, five years, 260 million. He, he was 26. I'll go one more. Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills, six years, 258 million. Signed at 25. So. You know, I get it. Players are staying a little longer in college because they can get paid now. 
So they are a little bit older, and, and maybe that's the progression that this goes. But none of these guys, they're all studs, but none of them have ownership. Right. So I just feel like... Uh, that's going to open up a whole nother can of worms right. with these guys that have won Super Bowls, have right. been to the Super Bowl. You know, if homie's going to come in as a rookie and get this deal... You better you better rewrite this. You know, I mean, wow, yeah. Just think about that. Sorry, I didn't mean to inject. No, no, you're good. And and that's just it. Is is these are high performing athletes, and they're and they're all quarterbacks, but they don't have that. And maybe they're gonna go back to their agent if this happens and go renegotiate their stuff. But it's kind of hard to retroactivate that too. Whenever you say you you've won a, a few Super Bowls, and then what you can't go back. You know, that's the reason why you got the contract you have now is because you were successful just thinking about, like, in Mahomes' case. Yeah. Wild, man. <laughs> Everybody just keeps resetting the market on being the highest-paid player. It just kind of is getting crazy for me. But, but dudes, what do you guys think about this? Maybe there's something I'm not considering, uh, Anthony and I, uh, in this story. We'd love for you guys to jump in on it. Do that by clicking our show notes or emailing us info at donutswithdudes.com. And dudes, for our final topic this week, if you've given up the hopes of Bigfoot being real, guess again, we've got even though this wasn't a last week's story, this was a uh, week before last, but Anthony and I felt it necessary to bring up that in Colorado, a couple was riding on a train, riding through the, the, the mountains, and they got a, what they call, Bigfoot on camera. Now, I know what you're thinking. Everybody has seen a grainy iPhone 3G picture of... A Bigfoot hobbling around in the forest, right? And and nobody buys it. I get it. However, if you have not seen this video, it's a pretty convincing video. Listen to listen into what a couple of the newscasters had to say about the the sighting. An unusual sight in the mountains of Colorado has a lot of people talking. It has some people asking, is that Bigfoot? A couple behind the camera said they saw something moving on the hillside. You oh, can wow. see large lumbering whatever wait, wait, wait it is walking then crouching in the brush before blending in the footage is grainy because of course it is but it has been viewed thousands of times online the local forestry department says they're aware of the video but don't have an answer the on mystery what it is. continues hmm. i tell you what i'm watching this video man this thing it looks like a freaking huge gorilla that is able to stand upright and walk like a human, or that is a really, con really fucking convincing <laughs> suit. I mean, that is the best suit that I've ever seen as far as it goes with a big, Bigfoot. That's a that's a damn nice suit, bro, if, <laughs> if it is one. But he also... <laughs> I wonder if they got that as Spirit Halloween somewhere, man. <laughs> I was just looking at it, it, it. I swear, he looked like the Grinch, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Coming down from his house, up on yeah, he just looked like the Grinch coming down. But that's a good video, to be honest with you. Even though it's grainy, it looked like Bigfoot. Is that Jim Carrey out there <laughs> messing around with these folks in the mountains, man? Come on, man. 
even got the same walk as <laughs> as he did in the Grinch, man. You're right. Like, and he sits down like he's upset, like looking yeah. at the train, like, ah, oh, y'all, y'all saw me. <laughs> you caught me. Right. <laughs> so, guys, if you're unfamiliar with Bigfoot, they're called cryptids. And just so you can learn a little bit, cryptids are, I'm on uh, merriamwebster.com. And the definition of a cryptid is an animal such as Sasquatch or the Loch Ness Monster that has been claimed to exist, but never proven to exist. So you got Bigfoot out here in the mountains out at uh, in Colorado, plain sight pretty much. I don't know what he was doing, man. He's just walking out there. and Man, I'm probably getting <laughs> ready to hibernate for the winter, I guess, man. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, I, I went and took a look. I was interested where a lot of these sightings were. And so I just did a straight Google search and I, it brought up this really interesting hub that is a database online. Had no idea this even existed, but this looks like a legit deal. You guys can go find it. It's called ARC, G-I-S, hub. Um, it's hub.arcgis.com. And it's got documented what I'm thinking every single... Bigfoot sighting that uh, I guess that has footing, no pun intended, all over the world. You can scan in and out. And so Anthony and I did a little research. If you look at the map, just taking a look at it, America, it has it for all over the globe. But if you look at just America, east and west coast is all filled up. And the only place that's kind of in the middle of America, a lot of sightings are in the Arizona slash Colorado area area where this sighting was that just happened um you know about 10 days ago and I was like man why is that the case like why is it in these areas and Anthony's like well um they probably don't live out in plains and in plain sight and yeah so that makes sense everywhere else if you look at the map it just kind of correlates where you would have wooded or swampy areas to kind of hide out in obviously these these creatures don't like being sighted or really being encountered. They're kind of an elusive creature. So if they exist. Yeah. Have you ever, you remember the show called Harry and the Hendersons? No. It was uh, basically a, a family that lived out in the cabins in the woods and they had a friend. His name was Harry. He's a Sasquatch, right? And they lived with him. Oh, no, I have not. I've heard of the wild thornberries that lived out in the... Remember them, wild thornberries? Oh. But dudes, if you are into the cryptids and, or, you know, you've heard about these kind of things, I was looking up, really, it was the top 10 cryptids around the world, but I'm just going to cover the top five if you guys want to learn about them. But number one was Bigfoot slash Sasquatch. Um, he's probably the world's best known cryptid. You know, it's the large, hairy, ape-like creature spotted throughout North America, particularly Pacific Northwest is the hot spot for the sightings. Now, Bigfoot's cousin could be his cousin. You've heard of the Yeti, right? I have, yeah. So it's the same thing. It's the same creature, except now he's like in the mountains and in the snowy areas. So he's like the polar bear of the bunch. Right, yeah. Okay. He, he's out there. He like, you know, he doesn't mind cold weather, you know. Yeah. Snow, I think he likes Texas snow. You know, he's making snowman and, yes. and shit. Okay. But you know, uh, all right, so you probably know this one, Chupacabra. Oh, yeah. So he, he's a part of this whole family? Yeah, he's a cryptid. So I was looking at Mexico and where like some of the sightings were there in Mexico. So, okay, I'm, I'm getting the correlation here. And 
Number four on the list, you've heard of this one, you know, Nessie. Loch Ness? Yes. Really? The Loch Ness Monster. Same same family. Yeah, man. Just uh, the mysterious creature out there in the lake. People have seen it, but you can't, nobody, there's no proof. Right. You know what I'm saying? You might have a, a very blurry picture. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. a video of something that's moving around the water that's huge. But how about the Jersey Devil? You ever seen the, Jer- the Jersey Devil? No. Oh, man. So if you look this thing up, it's it's crazy. It's like a goat with wings. Is this like in New Jersey? Yes. Isn't it? Okay. So, <laughs> so the legend of the Jersey Devil stems back to the early 1800 or the 18th century before the United States became a country. The story goes that Mother Leeds, a strange woman who lived in the eerie pine barrens of what is now New Jersey, gave birth to her 13th child and discovered it was deformed. As legend has it, the child was cursed to become what people now call the Jersey Devil. Most people describe it as a large, bipedal, horse-like creature with large, leathery wings and a long, forked tail. Huh. So, hence the name, the hockey team. Yes. The New Jersey How you know. Hey, hey, guys, there you go. Take that to the break room this week. Sound smart. Strike a conversation. But lastly, what I really like this one, you heard of the Mothman? I, well, I've seen the movie. Yes. In Prophecies. Yes, man. That was a great movie. It was a little... A little eerie. Yeah. Scary. I remember not getting good sleep for at least a night or two. Right. So that's a cryptid. These things are cryptids. Now you know what those are. They're all part of the same family. Yes. So to speak. Right. Okay. Go be smart in the break room. I like that. (laughs) Dudes, what do you guys think about this? Before you join in the conversation, go take a look at this video. I'm going to throw the link of the video in the show notes. Make sure you go check it out or just go Google Colorado train Bigfoot sighting. It's all over the place. It's a pretty convincing video. No, you can definitely computer generate anything these days. But not that though, man. You can't. That's real. Jim Carrey. That is real. You know, (laughs) Jim Carrey, you know, (laughs) I don't know. But dudes, you know, go check out the video. But we definitely want you to join in the conversation. Hit us in the show notes where our link is, where you can drop a comment or send that comment to info at donutswithdudes.com. We'll return to the show in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. At some point in our adult lives, we may have to turn our attention to the needs and safety of our parents and grandparents as they age. They've done so much for us, and it's our turn to make sure they have the best quality of life. I founded HomeSpark because seniors deserve to have the very best care available so they can age with dignity and remain independent longer. Our caregivers provide wellness checks, companionship, transportation, meal preparation, and more of what you think is important. To learn more about our personalized care plan, visit us at homesparkcare.com. HomeSpark, we care for people. Well, dudes, we've got another great and esteemed guest with us in the bakery today. We've got Michael Anthony with us. Michael is a co-founder and CEO of CourageMatters.com. If you haven't been there, dudes, go check out this website. It's such a neat resource. Got a lot of great stuff to go check out. Mike's here today, and Mike's past is, is kind of an interesting one. You know, he grew up and escaped several kidnappings. And as an adult, he survived a bunch of brushes with death. He's spoken to tens of thousands of people globally, and he's an expert in showing people how to stop limiting themselves so they can become unstoppable. I like that. 
He and his works have also been on major media outlets, including Fox, CNN, ABC News, CBN, and so many, many more. So dudes, you can see why we're excited to have Michael Anthony with us in the Baker today. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, great to be with you guys, a bunch of dudes. Hey, uh, good to be in the bakery, eating some bread for you guys. Great. Uh, <laughs> congratulations on your podcast too. It's fantastic. Honored to be with you. Well, it's it's our honor to have you and uh, we're really excited to get some of this knowledge that you've had and that we've, we've had the opportunity to listen to you speak on some YouTube videos and some of the other major media outlets that you've been on. And I really loved a lot of your work. And one of the, the newest things that you have coming out or that is out now is your book, Here's How. I want to talk to you a little bit more about that and uh, tell us why you wrote it and, and why it's important. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, you know, it might be like drinking from a fire hose for all of the dudes listening right now. So we actually have a cheat sheet that they can get if they want to get it. So they can sit back and just relax as you're listening, soak it in and they get the cheat sheet. They just, just email us info at couragematters.com. So if they email me at info at couragematters.com, we'll send them out the cheat sheet. And this way they can just put things on cruise control as we dive in. I, I wrote, here's how, because uh, I, I refer to myself sometimes as a recovering pastor. I spent about 20 years in pastoral ministry. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, kind of a serial author. And I think there's a big pandemic in our society right now where people confuse what or how. So whether you go to a motivational event or you read a book on how to change your life, at the end of it, oftentimes you find out, you know what, I really don't know how to change my life. That didn't really show me how. Or it happens a lot in church services where you go and I think it's like eating cotton candy and popcorn where it feels good at the time and we're all on the same page, which we think we are. But then we leave and it's like, you know what? I really don't know how to implement any practical changes in my life to do what I know I need to do. So we often confuse talking about what. Does that make sense? We confuse talking about what as if we really help or provide practical information on how to change our lives. So my new book, is called Here's How, because I've spoken to at a lot of places, a lot of, I just was back from speaking to 3,000 people in the Washington, D.C. area, entrepreneurs. A lot of what happens is um, I'll speak at an event, right? And people get all fired up, but I just scratched the surface. But I wanted to write a book that would be like spending a weekend together in a, a morally uh, honorable way, like it's say, <laughs> like spending a weekend together where we're drinking coffee, eating donuts, imagine that, and talking about mindset, how to change it, how to change our lives. So that's what Here's How is about. I really like that. Um, and this is kind of right up Anthony's alley. Um, if you really know Anthony and a lot of his philosophy and the way that he thinks about life and, and your this concept, this framework that you have built, um, that really aligns with a lot of what Anthony has, but I, I like that a lot because I think in today's day and age, we're given tons of information about what we need to do, what's good for us, what do we not need to do, but the, the execution of that is mm -hmm. the hard part, right? I think we know. It's lacking, yes. Yeah. So Yeah, it's lacking. And I think this is one of the reasons why we're so polarized as a society, because it's the implementation of what we want to do that we often stumble on. 
So you can have a conversation with somebody and you can think you're on the same page philosophically. You might be, but then the execution is quite different. Mm. For example, a lot of my emphasis and focus is on affirmations, doing positive affirmations and doing them the right way because you're doing them anyway. You can't stop self-talk any more than you can stop eating donuts and drinking coffee, right? You, you just can't <laughs> do that, dude. It struggles you real. You can't right? stop your self-talk, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You, you cannot stop your self-talk. Everybody talks to themselves. The issue is changing your self-talk because you can't you try to stop breathing for five minutes. It's impossible. Breathing is an automatic thing. Self-talk is an automatic thing. So it's not a matter of whether you are talking to yourself. You already are. And if you don't think you are, you're, you're kidding yourself. You're just not paying attention to what's happening at a subconscious level with your thinking. The, the issue really is whether or not you can change. And I believe that you can. I'm a huge proponent of this. Whether or not you can change your self-talk. And as a guy, right, having a podcast or guys, we are always talking to ourselves. I mean, guys have visual representations of a sexual nature that are just off the charts compared to women, for example. I mean, if you compare the average number of sexual thoughts that a woman has compared to the average number of sexual thoughts that a man has in a given hour, there's literally no comparison. So dudes are way off the charts on that regard. So in the same way, self-talk, we're all doing it. We're all doing it. It's the execution of what we want to change in our lives that we can tend to differ on. And what I try to do is bring people onto the same page to find common ground and to say, hey, listen, we're all doing self-talk. We're all doing affirmations. It's just a matter of whether they're positive or negative and whether they mo- they're moving you forward or whether they're holding you back. And once somebody comes to terms with that and says, you know what, Mike, you're right. Now show me how to do that. Because if you master that, you totally change your life. If you master your self-talk, your entire life will be changed. And that's true if you're an atheist or if you're a person of faith. It's true. We're all talking to each other. It's a matter of how we're talking to talking to ourselves. It's just a matter of how we're doing that. Like I was uh, pleasantly surprised, man, whenever I heard you were going to be a guest on here because um, I do believe in in setting your mindset. And truly, you know, you have to change your mindset if you want to see some changes in your life. And um, I don't know if I'm sure you you read or learned this, but, you know, they say, you know, start your day off with uh, gratitude and just think of, of everything that you are truly happy about. And that can change your whole uh, day. It does change your whole day because the truth of the matter is that there's a thought void that will be filled. Our subconscious minds are always at work and it's called subconscious because these are thoughts and even commands, you know, your heart is being sent messages to continue to beat. Your lungs, they're being sent a message to continue to breathe, to digest. And these are things that we're not aware of. That's why it's called subconscious. But there's a void in our minds in regard to our thinking. And it's either going to be filled with gratitude or ingratitude, right? I'd love to say that your gratitude determines your altitude. So if you're struggling with your motivation, if you're struggling with moving forward, if you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like you're worse than stuck, the first place to go, Anthony, is a gratitude check to see where you're at in regard to gratitude because your, your subconscious mind, again, even your conscious mind, it, your, your conscious mind, that's really what I want to focus on, is not capable 
of focusing on a negative thought and a positive thought at the same time. It is literally impossible. Try to do it right now. Try to think about something like maybe your financial situation or a relational situation that causes you angst or a need or a deadline that's coming up that's of a negative nature. And then simultaneously, try to think of something that excites you. It could be a great relationship. It could be about finances coming in, you know, the same exact things that I'm talking about. Your mind is incapable of thinking about a positive thought and a negative thought at the same time. One always takes precedent. We need to recognize is that each of us is the determining factor on which we're going to focus on. And that takes training. It takes training. You, you're not, you don't come out of the womb automatically trained with a, a excellent mindset with a disciplined mindset. It's something that you have to learn to develop, just like you develop muscle, just like you develop endurance and cardiovascular training. You have to learn how to train your mind because stinking thinking, as I refer to it, will always create a rotten reality. So you're either going to have gratitude or ingratitude and you get to determine what it's going to be. And that's going to determine your altitude. It's as simple and yet as significant and complex as that. I I agree. And that you said a lot there that I, I really would love to sit and just unpack that. I feel like we could have a whole show on what you just said. Because <laughs> that's why I wrote here's how. You're right. Why I wrote here's how. <laughs> it makes complete yep. sense. But I, I'd like to back up a little bit. Because I know you've shared with us that you've escaped the grips of kidnapping a few times yeah. as a kid. And there's been, you know, a few times where you've asked God to to take your life. And, you know, I, I think that those situations definitely play a big part in who we are and who we become. Right. right? And so I'm curious how those those things in your life have shaped you and made you into Michael Anthony today. Well, I appreciate that. You know, most of the lessons that I learned in life, I've learned through my own failures. And I, I just made a decision years ago. My wife and I had this agreement that whenever one of us recognizes that we had wronged the other, and I have a great relationship with my wife. She's phenomenal, my wife, Janet. Um, we made a decision a long time ago that whenever one of us recognized that we were doing something wrong or hurt the other one, we would immediately ask for forgiveness, like apologize and ask for forgiveness. Like apologizing is not always the same as asking for forgiveness. When you say to somebody, I'm sorry, that's one thing. But then when you ask the question, you give them an opportunity to respond. Would you please forgive me? And then that person has to make a decision. And so that humility, because humility is simply agreeing with the truth. That humility has helped us have an unbelievable marriage, a great marriage that I would never want to exchange for anything else. So for me, it's simply a matter, dudes, of being honest with myself. There are a lot of people who are deceiving themselves into bondage. They're deceiving themselves into setback after setback after setback. It's only when you get really honest with yourself that your life changes. So for me and our whole family, we went through an unbelievable betrayal filled with lies and deceit and gossip and slander against our whole family from a church, from an actual church, which is ironic because a church is supposed to be everything but that, right? But I think it's the unintentional 
hypocrisy where there are a lot of, like I can say this as a, a pastor, I pastored, was in pastoral ministry for nearly 20 years. And it's the honest truth. Many churches are trying to get people to follow a Jesus that they're not following. And it's one of the reasons why younger people are not interested in institutionalized church. And that was one of the key catalysts, the betrayal, the backstabbing, the, the secret meetings, the secret things that were happening by the leadership of that church where people would ask questions and they'd say, well, we can't go into the details, but trust us. Mm, that's, it sounds very cult-like when you think about it, right? That set of circumstances is actually what led me to ask God to take my life three times. I'm not proud to say that, but again, I, I'd rather be honest with you dudes. I'd rather be honest and tell you the truth and share from my mistakes than try to put rose-colored glasses on it. Imagine a bunch of dudes with rose-colored glasses uh, <laughs> and try to blow smoke up somebody's nose. <laughs> That's what led me to really do a deep dive into the relationship between thoughts and emotions and doing some fundamental soul searching and changing because the typical things that we tell people in religious circles, pray more, read the Bible, trust God. And I'm all for that, I'm all for that. But oftentimes that's as deep as we go. And that shallow answer, it, it really is a shallow answer. I think it's actually insulting to the architect, to mm -hmm. our creator. That's as much as we can do. We know more about we, we know more about how the human mind works now than any other time in history. But you might as well be living in the dark ages if you don't know how to work your mind. So that's what led me to really get into not only understanding about mindset and emotions, but also now mentoring people and speaking about it. I just over the past month spoke to two large groups about three thousand people in two different places. One was in Louisville, Kentucky. One was in um, Washington, D.C. area. And I was speaking to them about mindset, changing your emotions. Because unless you get your emotions on board with where you want to go in life, your emotions are going to hold you back. Your emotions are either the weak link or that firm foundation in your life. I'd have to agree. And uh, I like what you said there, talking, kind of talking about faith, because there's a one of my favorite passages, and and I don't, I couldn't, I know what book it's in. I know it's in James, but I couldn't tell you the verse. You might be able to tell me the verse, but the the verse is essentially this: that faith without works is is dead, right? I mean, you, you've got to you've got to put in the work, and you've got to. Faith is a an act of doing something, right? And so, I like the way you put that. And you're right; it is in the book of James. So there you go. Yes, way to go. I got one thing right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, when. I know you talk a lot about uh, changing our subconscious thoughts and um, and the emotions they create. Or have you ever heard about uh, or been into some of the the meditation stuff where they were with based around frequencies and kind of you know maybe playing those when you're asleep to help mm -hmm. uh, kind of align your subconscious uh, or change directions? Mm -hmm. I am familiar with that, and I can't say that I have tried that yet in my journey. Um, because I've spent a lot of time laying groundwork with affirmations and focusing your, your mind vividly on a future that you want to create as a reality. But um, I'm not surprised about those things, Anthony Cameron. And the reason being 
we are created by an intelligent designer. And when the scriptures say we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that scripture, which is often misunderstood by a lot of people of faith, was written after the fall. So when you look at the book of Genesis and you talk about, and, and you might be an atheist listening, listen, I'll never hold someone's belief against them. I'm just trying to have conversation here and just share and find common ground. And we can have some common ground here. When you look at the book of Genesis, the creator, the architect says it was good. It was good. Like we were creating good. And then the fall happened. And a lot of people at faith were like, well, now in me, no good thing dwells. So I can't do anything good. And it's all up to God. But the irony is that you're actually going to be judged by the architect for the things you did. And one of the things that Christians look forward to hearing when they face their creator, the architect in person is well done, good and faithful servant. So it's not true that you can't do anything good. You can't do anything good to save yourself. That's what that's in reference to, but you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So when you bring up Anthony frequency and the ability to change your subconscious mind, that shouldn't surprise us at all. Because again, we know more about how the human mind works now than at any other time in history. It's the most complex thing that whether you believe it from an evolutionary standpoint or from a creationist standpoint, it's the most complex organ in all of existence, the human mind. So we're constantly finding things out about it that really affirm the truth that we're fearfully, wonderfully made, just like beyond the ability to comprehend. It's completely beyond the ability to comprehend. So um, none of that surprises me. I mean, when I'm teaching people about mindset, I teach them about facial expression. I teach them about posture. I teach them about stating things in the present tense. I teach them about using their imagination vividly. And most people who have problems with that are people of faith because they think, well, that sounds like psychology. But when you stop and think about it, what is psychology and who created it? Who created that, that mind? Because again, you're going to worry and we have no problem with worry because worry is spending time, energy, and imagination on a reality that doesn't exist. That's what worry is. Spending time, energy, and imagination on a reality that doesn't exist or a future that doesn't exist. So why are we okay with that? Mm. But we're not okay spending time, energy, and imagination on a reality that does not yet exist, but will exist because everything begins in the mind. I mean, we're sitting here and having a discussion today because you guys reached out and said, hey, would you like to have a discussion on our podcast? I said, yeah, I'll get some coffee. You guys bring it down. That's when we can do that. <laughs> but uh, everything starts in the mind. So it's just a matter of whether or not what you're entertaining in your mind is really honorable and going to move you forward because you're going to use it anyway. You might as well use it for good, right? Absolutely. A hundred percent. So I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I'm sure... In your in your book, you you've got some cues, some some triggers, some ways to start this process of changing your mindset and getting on a you know a good self talk, getting mm -hmm. good healthy habits to 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 change the way that you frame things. Can you right. share? I don't want to. I don't want you to give away all the secret sauce because I want our mm -hmm. listeners to go out and check out the book, but. Can you touch a little bit on that and, and, and just kind of your way of thinking about integrating some of these positive thinking techniques into sure. your life? 
when, when you email me info at couragematters.com, we send you the cheat sheet and I'm going to give you some practical things. So I didn't tell you guys about this, but I, we also just came out with this. It's called the Motivation Journal. I saw that on the website. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the Mindset Journal, which is uh, two pages a day, 90 days and different mindset teaching quote lesson every single day and it comes with videos and stuff where again if you haven't figured it out by now i'm into mentoring and i like helping people so um this motivation journal it's with a d as in david m-o-d-i-v-a-t-i-o-n but um it, it all begins with sitting down and thinking like you asked the great question what are what are some things that people can actually start doing and I'd love to give away the secret sauce and I'm going to do it right now. The way to change your life is just to start by thinking about what, what does my ideal day look like? You'd be amazed at how many people have, have gone through their life and not taken the time to sit down and craft their ideal day. What does it look like when you're going to bed? I'm not talking about just the time that you go to bed and the time that you get up. What are the last few minutes look like before you turn out the light? What are the first few minutes up like when you get up in the morning and then everything in between because um when you design your ideal day then you're giving your subconscious mind because of the conscious decision you're making by designing it you're giving your subconscious mind something to shoot for because you become what you focus on you become what you focus on so when you're out of focus anything goes so the first step to change life is changing your ideal day it doesn't mean that you can always hit it but the idea is to have a target that dramatically increases your chances of hitting it. So for me, for example, I go to bed pretty early, get up pretty early. I go to bed typically between nine and 10 o'clock at night, unless I'm out speaking someplace and I'm up somewhere sometime between three, five thirty in the morning. And just kind of the way I'm wired, everybody's different. But first thing is gratitude where, you know, Anthony brought that up as well, but gratitude done in a particular way. I'm a big fan of doing affirmations the right way. And there's a template that you can use. And I'm going to give you right now. I'm not talking about a written template. I'm talking about, even though you write this down, it's what you use to help your subconscious mind get on board. And this is what I use. I'm so happy and thankful now that I am so happy and thankful now that, and that's the way I begin nearly every positive affirmation. Why? First of all, it's present tense. I am not, I'm going to. People do affirmations wrong when they talk about them in the future. I'm going to, or I'm going, I am going to, I will. That's future tense. I will is just beyond reach. It's like that song tomorrow, you know, the, and from the Annie musical tomorrow, you're always a day away. I will does not bring it into the present tense. So you start by saying, I am it's a declarative statement. Even if you're not, what you're doing is you're tricking your subconscious mind. And listen, your subconscious mind is already telling you you're worthless, you're a loser, you're not going to succeed. She's going to say no. I mean, I had to convince myself when I first saw my wife, I assumed that she liked me until she told me otherwise. That's how I got up the nerve to ask her out. And it worked. So your subconscious mind is always telling you she's going to say no. You're not going to get the interview. You're not going to get the raise. You're a loser. See, you did it again. All this negative stuff, which is not necessarily true, but you believe it. Mm -hmm. And because you believe it, because you focused on it, it actually ends up becoming reality in your life. So why not trick your subconscious and playing games on you anyway? Yeah. Trick it for good. So you say, I am 
So happy, which is an emotional state, and thankful gratitude now that, and here's the signature one that I use, I'm so happy and thankful now that money, friends, and influence come to me in increasing amounts on a continuous basis from a variety of sources. Amen. So once, amen. So one fell swoop, right? When I'm mentoring somebody, that's the very first one that I teach them. And I teach them to do that repetitively. The first thing when they get up in the morning, I teach them to write it out just like that. I'm so happy and thankful now that money, friends, and employees come to me in increasing amounts on a continuous basis from a variety of sources. And I teach them to do that at night before they go to bed. And then I teach them to do it all through the day, to write it out on an index card, put it in their car. Don't look at it when you're driving. But when you first get into your car, you're reminded, put it on your mirror in your bathroom, put it in your kitchen, everywhere. Because you have to use overwhelming force with your subconscious mind to get it to comply. We're looking at what's happening in the Middle East right now, right? And you're seeing a massive buildup of artillery uh, artillery and military uh components and ammunition for what's going to be probably a ground invasion, air, sea, ground assault that is designed to have overwhelming force. Because the number one rule in military campaigns is if you go in half-heartedly, you're going to have higher casualties and potentially lose what you otherwise wouldn't if you had overwhelming force. So the subconscious mind is the same way. You've got to get your face involved. You've got to get your posture involved. You have to get your voice involved. You have to get your imagination involved to vividly imagine it. Like it's not just repetition where I'm so happy and thankful that now, now that over and over again, I'm so happy and thankful now that I'm so happy and thankful now that it's not just a repetition that your subconscious mind is going to change. It's by doing it the right way. So I encourage people to write it out at least once a day to say it out loud with all the components that I just shared. And to vividly use that irreplaceable mind of yours to focus and to see it as already being done. And if you think that's psychological nonsense, then how's that negative psychological nonsense that you're putting up with working out for you, right? Right. You're going to do it anyway. I'm I'm showing you how to do it the right way. So I'm so happy and thankful now that, and then you insert whatever the truth is that you want to become reality on the tail end of that. I'm so happy and thankful. Now that, for example, with my wife, though we've never had to do this, I teach this to people with bad relationships. I'm so happy and thankful. Now that my relationship with so-and-so is fantastic. I taught a couple that, uh, executive couple, they bring in like $3 million plus million last year. Their gross was $3.5 million, $3.6 million. And the very first thing each of them said to me individually when I was interviewing them, I want a totally new marriage. So the very first thing that I did was I introduced them to an affirmation. I'm so happy and thankful now that my husband and I, my wife and I have a deep, rich, rewarding relationship where we listen to each other, talk to each other and are on the same page. And they actually, in uh, the Zoom mentoring call that we had the following week, they said, this is like unbelievable. They said, this is too good to be true. They were doing it from Monday through Thursday in the morning and the evening. They wrote it out, put it all over their house. And every time they had a, a doubt about their relationship, they would recite this the way that I taught them to do it, using their imagination, saying it out loud, facial expression, because you've got to have your face 
empathy and I'm doing this. You guys might not see this because we're doing video right now. When I said that camera started smiling because I was smiling. You can hear it in my voice. It's hard to resist a smile. Your subconscious mind has to make a decision. Hey, that's the look on Cameron's face when he's happy. So is he anxious or is he happy? And your, your subconscious mind has to then make a decision. So when you write it out, when you say it in the present tense, when you involve the emotion that you want to experience, when you express gratitude, it makes it, each one of those makes it increasingly impossible to resist. So when you stand up with a posture that's like a, one of success and victory, hey, we, you know, when you walk hunched over, for example, it sends a message to your subconscious mind that you're actually defeated, discouraged, depressed, right? It's not like you're first defeated, discouraged, and depressed, and then you walk like that. Sometimes you're walking like that, and it makes you, it works both ways, feel discouraged, defeated, and depressed. Now, how do we know that? Because that's what we know about how the mind works now. So you might as well use it to your advantage. So when you stand up with a posture of victory, you put a smile on your face, you say it with passion and conviction, now I'm going to say it the right way. I'm so happy and thankful. Now that, see how I emphasize that with my voice? Your subconscious mind, it, has, it pays attention. So overwhelming force, overwhelming force by using each one of these angles and components is what drives these things into your subconscious mind and makes you a believer. And at first, it seems very strange that you're doing this. First, it seems like, and it's weird. Well, would you rather maintain the strangeness and the weirdness and the number that your subconscious mind has been doing on you, or would you really like to change your life? It seems it's like miraculous. And that's what this couple said to me. They said, this is too good to be true. I said, it's not too good that it's to be true. It's so good that it's true. I've taught you how to use your mind in a right way. Most of us just don't know that the mind can be trained. It's like a muscle. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we got a saying here in the South. Well, you're in South Carolina, so you're in the South. You know, you, you, mm -hmm. the saying is that you keep doing what you, you've done, you keep getting what you got, right? And Absolutely. And so if you want something to change, you, you've got you to put that one foot in front of the other and start putting, mm -hmm. subduing your mind into, into submission. So yeah, I like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, Mike. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've been on a, uh, a spiritual journey and in, in this self-improvement journey for probably about three years. And so I, I know exactly what you're talking about Nate, with uh, affirmations and, you know, just the positive thinking. Um, have you ever heard about or have you ever heard of the three, six, nine method? I have not. What is that? Um, it, it's, it's, it's exactly what you've been saying as far as, you know, your your present tense affirmations and that sort of thing. But um, this this theory kind of says, you know, say you want to write everything out and then, you know, you write it out three times in the morning, three times in the afternoon and three times in the evening. And if you do that for 30 days, it will actually significantly um, change things in your life. And that also, you know, that that's going with your subconscious. I believe that it's just, you have to, you know, the present tense. Um, and then also with, you know, filling that with emotion, it kind of, it'll set you off in a different direction um, and put you where you need to be. Uh, so. And what is the six and nine for? I, d I really don't know. I think it had something to do with like Tesla's theory as well as like the three, six, nine. So, um, I'm still learning on that, but, um, it, it's amazing just what these things can do for you. Um, and I, you know, when I was speaking about the, the frequencies earlier today, I also do that a few times at night, you know, to go to sleep and it really will change your, the, it reprograms your subconscious and it's kind of crazy to think. And, you know, some people that don't know about this stuff, it might sound crazy, 
you know, mm-hmm. but, but that's why I always say, you know, keep an open mind and just try something new. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it does seem crazy at first, but it's really not when you really think about it. Deep thinking is a lost art these days. Yeah. It's, people don't think they're told what to think, mm-hmm. right? Sheeple. They're told what to think. They don't think deeply. Here's the fact. When you look at something right before you go to bed, before you turn the light out, what happens is that's a conscious decision. That's why you shouldn't be on your device right before you go to bed. The blue light is also negative in regard to deep sleep and creating deep sleep. You go into alpha, beta, theta, different sleep stages, different stages of brain waves. This is factual. This is not theory because we know because they've done studies on it. Alpha, beta, theta, brain waves. And when you look at something, listen to something right before you go to bed, and then it's lights out. What's going to happen is that as you pass through those brain waves and you get to the brain wave that's associated with deep sleep right before that it's it's the semi-deep sleep state that's what influences your subconscious mind and what will happen and if you don't believe this is true guys as you're listening try it with a book that you read like really pay attention don't let your mind wander right before you go to bed and this is how and I, when i speak before audiences i do it without any notes i just do it because I think, first of all, why should you listen to me if I need to look at a cheat sheet? That's my personal opinion, right? If I haven't done it myself, why would I be up in front of a, a large audience telling them what to do, telling you what to do? And people often say, man, that's, that's unbelievable. How do you do that? So I say, well, for the simple reason that I'm not giving you theory, I'm giving you stuff from my own life. And so that's how I memorize and I commit to memory things that I'll say before a live audience. I look at it over and over and over again in the evening. And then when I wake up, it's right there. So if you don't believe that your subconscious can stew and brew on something this way, this is how you get it into your subconscious mind. These affirmations, for example, look at something, read a book, read a page before you go to bed. And when you get up in the morning, you'll be amazed at the retention that you have. And that's how I committed to memory, large passages of scripture just by reading the Bible before I went to bed at night. Last thing, I didn't do it intentionally. I just did it because I wanted to end my day by reading the great book, right? And what I found is that when I wake up in the morning, I could see the page. I could remember the chapter and the verses or where that was. And so I triple blog dare anybody listening right now, if you want to get your subconscious mind involved in anything, right? Because you become what you focus on. Mm-hmm. Look at it, listen to it right before you go to bed and then turn off the light. And if you do that repeatedly, you will give your subconscious mind food for thought because it's just operating like a vacuum in a spark. Your subconscious mind is just picking up what it sees, what it tastes, what it smells. Um, and, and then it plays it back later on. I mean, how many of us have had thoughts that were just like, man, where did that come from? I didn't ask, you know, I cannot see that. And then it, your subconscious mind, like we play something at a later time, it does this with things that have been said to us. Yeah. I can say some pretty dark things in my mind, man. I can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, uh, and your subconscious subconscious mind doesn't ask you for permission on when it's going to play that, does it? No. And it actually, it comes in at at the most inopportune times, I feel like, (laughs) (laughs) than anything. But, uh, you know, Michael, we've, we've asked you a lot today and, Thank you so much for joining us because I feel like we've got a, a wealth of knowledge that 
we're definitely going to have to have a part two of because I feel like there's more that we can definitely unpack that we talked about today. But before we let you go, there's two things I, I want to ask of you. First, can you just remind us where we can go get that cheat sheet? Um, because I, I, I want to go get it and actually I already oh, yeah. downloaded it. So, <laughs> um, but I, I want our, I want our audience to be able to, to go and find that again and have an opportunity to know where that's at. And lastly, you've already shared a lot of advice with us, but we ask every single one of our experts, if you could just give your top notch advice to share with, with dudes, what would that be? Mm -hmm. Wow. Great question. First, the cheat sheet. Just email me info at couragematters.com. Info at couragematters.com. Be glad to get that out. It's totally free. The advice that I would have for a guy, and as a, as a guy who's been around for a while, probably most of your guys that are listening are probably younger than me, which is awesome. I love building and utilizing younger guys. You've got to learn how to master your mind and master your thinking, or it's going to master you. And I would encourage you to not throw in the towel or to think that this is all there is to your thought life. Listen, if, if I could learn how to change my thinking as a matter of desperation, right? I asked God to take my life three times. He actually did. He actually did. Not the way I thought it was going to happen, but he took my old way of thinking and taught me. And I learned through study and research how to think differently through the things that we've talked about. I would remind you as a guy that you will never rise above your level of thinking. Everything in your life begins in your mind for better or for worse. You might as well learn how to use it for better. And it takes practice. It takes discipline. You'd never go to the gym three or four times in a week, try that for two weeks, and then say, hey, I didn't gain much muscle. I'm out of here. You know that no pain, no gain. If you're not consistent in the gym, you're not going to get results. And at first, you're, lift, you're, you're lifting your, your form and doing curls and bench press, shoulder press, and leg press, and calf raises. Your form is terrible at first, right? But as you learn through consistency and persistency, you lift heavier and heavier weights, you have better and better form because you train yourself to be disciplined. And then lo and behold, you start getting washboard abs, you start getting your, your pec starts to develop, your biceps start to develop, triceps, you're, you're lifting greater weights. And it's all because of consistency. It's the same thing with your mind. If you don't learn how to train your mind and you can, you will struggle emotionally in life. Most guys have a dad wound. Maybe this isn't our part two thing, right? Uh, my dad threatened to kill me at one point, really did. We had, uh, we, we were not very close for a long time. So I'm speaking again from experience. If you don't get your thinking straightened out, your emotions are going to run rampant. And your emotions are really the reflection, the mirror of what is really happening in your thought life. So I would encourage you as a guy to really lean into developing your mindset and developing and being consistent in getting that mind on board with where, where you want to go in life because it will respond. It's like your muscles will respond to weights and your cardiovascular system will respond to cardiovascular training. Your mind at first is difficult. It's like a wild horse. It really is. But if you insist and you persist, 
you can change your thinking. That will change your emotions. That will change your habits and your motivation. And that's what changes your life. It all begins in the mind and you can do it. You can do it. You need to persist and you need to believe in yourself, right? You need to believe in yourself. Man. Uh, yeah, of course. absolutely. I, uh, Mike, I got to tell you, I, I feel like I'm a better person than I was 40 minutes ago than when we started this conversation. And you guys are awesome. I, well, you guys it's, are awesome. It, it's not live service, man. I, I really do mean that. And I subscribe to everything that you just said. And I hope that our listeners do too, because it's something that I think today in today's day and age, it's just, it's becoming more and more of a thing to focus on one's mental health and emotional health. But when it comes to men, it's definitely something that is still somewhat stigmatized. And so to have an avenue like this, dudes, go check out the book. Here's how. Go find Michael Anthony online at couragematters.com. He's got a wealth of information. I know you've definitely picked up something today that is going to be helpful in your journey to becoming a better dude. Um, So again, Michael, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us again in the bakery. And 100% we're having you back as soon as possible. Thanks for coming through. (laughs) Cameron, Anthony, great to be with you guys. All you dudes, keep looking up, man. There's no place else we're looking. Keep moving forward. Great to be with you guys, really. Well, dudes, that's it for our show this week. Man, Anthony and I had a great time chatting with Michael Anthony, the mindset guru is what we're going to call him around here. I'm discussing how you can reframe your negative mindset and turn it into a positive one. Dudes, if you're interested in learning more about Michael Anthony, check out his website, couragematters.com. You can also email him info at couragematters.com to get that cheat sheet. And you can follow him on Instagram and YouTube at Michael Anthony Official. As always, you can find more of our content on our link tree at Donuts with Dudes. And dudes, if you want to find Michael Anthony's book, Here's How, I highly suggest it. You can go find that on Amazon or we placed a link inside of our show notes if you want to go and find that book. Dudes, it's going to be one you're going to want to put on your reading list. Dudes, remember, our mission is to make men better and smarter each week. So if you get a chance, share the show with some friends. Yeah, share this shit. And until next time, we'll see you in the bakery for our next batch of our fresh hot topics.